Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Six Feet Under Exhumed. I'm Carrie the Mortician. I'm Faith that Mortuary Professor. Ooh, and I don't have my ringer turned off on my phone. Uh-oh. right now. Uh-oh. You good? Yeah, that's all right. We can start again. So, X, X, X. All right. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to our next edition of Six Feet Under Exhumed. I'm Carrie the Mortician. I'm Faith at Mortuary Professor, and we are going to talk about the episode, The Room, today. Episode six. I was like, wow, are we really this many in? I know. It didn't seem like it's been that many, but I guess it is. And I don't recall, like, going into this episode, I was like, what room are they really talking about? And had forgotten kind of some of this episode, and kind of makes me a little jealous. I kind of want what they find out about this. I know. I I think everybody should have a room. You don't have a room? No. Well, I, I have my office, but it's work. Yeah. I think I feel like, yeah, we'll have to get into that when we talk about what yeah. the room is. So sure. we start off that sweet Mr. Jones wakes up and what I think is hilarious. I mean, it's a little crass, but he's like, come on, bitch, get your lazy ass up. Let's get breakfast. And then <laughs> Miss Hattie is his dad in the bed. And you see this man throughout the thing advocating, like, this is my wife. And I love it. I love seeing, like, the longtime marriage where the the person, especially the husband, advocates for what they want for their wife. This is my person. This is my wife. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't you recommend anything. This is what's happening. Um, so that's kind of where we start. Yeah. I mean, he, he just gets up and she's died in her sleep and... He's yeah. just going about his morning and doesn't realize it and then tries to wake her up. And I mean, don't you kind of wish we could all go like that? Just peaceful. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a crappy shock for your person with. I think that would be like the absolute worst is to wake up and then your person's just gone and wondering like, when did they go in the night? Did they go right away? Was it like five minutes ago? What if I'd woken up an hour ago? Yeah. You know, like I think I would do a lot of questionable what ifs with that scenario. Sure. I, I think as many people do with every scenario, but that is kind of a a fear of mine is is waking up and then your person something we want for ourselves though like i don't want to be in the hospital i don't want to be no, in this you bed. just want to drift then, off but then somebody's got to find you and that's not <laughs> you know what i mean that's it's, true that's not great either but yeah i mean and he's he's they don't have any family or anything and it's so just um and it's so it's sweet and he's like don't you touch my wife you know he sits down to meet with david and um he's like well if we want a view then you're going to need embalming and he makes me cringe every time oh, he talks, the way he talks like about urns as receptacles and you know the the terms he use and i'm like gosh you are that cringy like oh i know dude that really i forgot about that part of the episode and watching that back i was like oh god that's none of that is it's true, you know, and it's just this whole, well, if you want to, you have to have embalming to view and you have to, and you don't, and maybe, you know, this is 20 something years old. And I don't think right. you know, we have to, we do have to remember that it, it was a different time in funeral service. And I think a lot of people were still, did still believe that and still, still thought that, but um, it just made me, yeah, it just made me cringe because you you can view an unembalmed body. It's okay. Well, it's not like it's a car accident or it's severely mm -hmm. decomposed. Like she literally passed in her sleep and 
or died in her sleep. I hate saying pass out. I don't know why I just said that. But when he said, David goes, well, you're not going to listen here. Nobody else uh, you don't embalm. And I'm like, what happened to her in the last hour or two since she died that has made her so tragic looking? And then he comes into viewer later and is like, that's not my wife. And Federico's like, well, it is. He's like, no, no, you know, everything about her is gone. And we hear that a lot. You know, people yeah. come in, they look at their loved one, they're like, mm, that doesn't look like them. It's like, well, they're not. You've never seen them dead before. Yeah. How you often know? do you sit and look at them laying and there? Somebody laying too. down and if they with their glasses on and their eyes closed, or you I mean, yeah. nobody looks like themselves when they're dead because you've never seen them dead. And you don't look at people in that position and in mm -hmm. those clothes or in, you know, the glasses on with eyes. People don't sleep with their glasses on. No. You know, so there's a lot of things that go into that that are not, they're not natural. That's not how people. Well, and there's not a single muscle that's yeah. engaged in your face. Everything is lax. You got gravity working against just so it definitely creates a different visual and personality is what makes someone really them yeah. and when there is no uh, you know laughter smiles anything it just changes that body from being the person into a body truly yeah. in a lot of ways um not that it's not a person but everything it's different that made them them is really gone aside yeah. from the shell it's absolutely different but it really i have to tell you it really did bother me just hearing how he talked about embalming in that little scene super cringe god that's why people think we're we're all these bad things and it was just and it's one of those things is like did the writers know that and did that on purpose or did was that really how they thought it should be like did they think that was accurate and the sad thing is it probably is accurate there's probably still a lot of funeral homes out there that that do that and i think it's important for everybody to know that embalming is not required by law he didn't That's say anywhere. it was required yeah he never said that but a lot of times people make that assumption and it's not um but you could just tell that the idea of you know letting a husband view his wife unembalmed was so foreign to them mm -hmm. and i'm just thinking well what about cremation ids do they not do that there you know i mean our brains go I think that was before really that was a thing i think it was yeah. either you did cremation and you did nothing else or mm -hmm. you did your traditional embalming and cremation yeah. was really seen as a business killer so to speak yeah. so you know i think at that time it was viewed so much differently because you didn't as much do the rental casket and things that we do now where we've expanded mm -hmm. options and we've educated people to know that these things are options it's not just as finite as cremate nobody see them or have a full traditional everything with embalming and it's that's what's nice about the progression of the business is that sure. there's so many more options with it there's so many and, and we know better now and and yeah. most i think most places are a lot more um you know funeral homes can absolutely make it their business policy to require embalming for public viewing that's mm -hmm. that's their right as a small business and they're not they're not wrong to do that but i think we have come a long way and that in in at least all the funeral homes i know and i'm friends with and have worked in were were always you know very 
there there is a benefit to embalming there's a reason for it and there's a time and a place for it and it's never wrong to embalm somebody unless someone doesn't want it but i think we have come a long way in in understanding that we can we can still you know families can still spend time with their with their loved ones if they're not embalmed so that scene just oh gosh i don't know it just yeah. made me so, feel so icky but you know and then we, nate finds this book mm -hmm. And, or no, he um, goes to get his car repaired at a repair shop. And the guy's like, well, you don't pay me. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, your dad did a funeral for me. And all my business I do is in trade for you. And he was like, whoa. And so then he looks into it and finds the ledger and these mm -hmm. numbers that have stars next to them. And so he starts looking into them, which I think is so fun. The different businesses he visits and the stories yeah. and everything. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, he's kind of finding things out about his dad that he never knew. And it's, it, I think it makes him feel kind of sad that he never got to really know his dad that way. Um, and I think we can all relate to that. There comes a point, I think, in everybody's life where you see that your parents are just people. Yep. And maybe the version of them that you saw as a kid, and Nate moved away, and I, I don't recall how long he had been, been gone for, but, um, you know, I, I think there it was it was representative of him realizing that his dad was a fully, fully formed human and not just his dad, the undertaker. And that, you know, oh, he did did nice things for people and he didn't make a big deal out of it. And he smoked pot and he, you know, did all these things and listened to music that I that you would never expect. And so there it's kind of cool to see that. But I think he also felt very sad that he was never given a chance to know that person yeah i think all the kids have gone through that kind of during this grief journey that they've learned about their dad things that they wish they had known so they could have related to him because they yeah. thought he was so standoffish not paying attention to them not involved in what they were doing because he worked so much and then like nate starts hearing from all these places he goes and speaks to the one woman who gives him his monthly weed allowance that his dad had been getting and finds out how funny he was and how much she enjoyed talking to him and miss talking to him and then he goes to the business uh restaurant and he'd been using this room and they had given him this room had a it was dumpy room had a little couch um little sink little table chair uh record player yeah and nate just keeps imagining what his dad's doing in this room looking at yeah. newspapers and magazines and there's a glass with some lipstick on it and so it's like what is that about and yeah you know what kind of life was my dad living that he i would have you know appreciated knowing about and being a part of and you know and i think it's cool that he had a space where he could be not just funeral director man and not just him i remember seeing a not a meme or but something recently and it said let's remember that our parents are living their first life too yeah and that has just resonated so loudly with me the last few weeks that you know for my kids knowing that hey this is my first time doing it and how much i put aside to do things for them and that's my choice in the one life i'm living and my parents did the same and understanding that and you know it kind of comes full circle which is wild and i think that's what nate realized was me and dad was just living his life and doing his thing yeah. just like i am so 
Yeah, and then he finds a photo album with pictures of, yeah. of his mom when she was was really your, your little dog tail. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Carrie got a puppy. Show yes. him, show him. Um, yeah, he but, just ran away. Oh, he ran away. Um, but um, you know, if he finds pictures of his mom, and it's, I think that's a, a moment for you too when you realize, oh, my parents aren't just two people that are my parents; they actually have a relationship amongst mm -hmm. the two of them. You know, and and sometimes it takes till you're 35 years old to really see that. Yeah. Oh, my parents were before kids; they actually were were people, and they met somewhere, and, and they, they got a, naked, and they yeah. had sex, and they were, I know. you know. Well, they had the same drive and instincts yeah. and desires that we have as younger people too. And they, they went through all that. And that's kind of fun to see about your parents, you know, it, is. It's always, it, it was for some reason for me, it was like this, this moment when I realized that I'm older than my parents were when they had me, I'm oh. like, like I'm 40 and my mom was 29 when she had me i think about that yeah. um and so i think oh my god i have an eight-year-old but when my mom was my age i was older than that yeah and it's just when when you start realizing when i was a kid and and had this relationship with my parents when i was like a preteen my mom was this old and i thought she was this old grown you know knew what knew everything person and i don't know anything so mm -hmm. she probably felt the same way um but no, he, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's a, I really like that plot line of the, oh my God, I look at his eyebrows. He's so cute. Hi. He's so confused by life right now. I just got him last night. So I'm a walking zombie today, guys. It's like a newborn doesn't know how to yeah. do anything. So does he, have puppy breath? he does puppy breath smells good. Just yeah. Full on puppy, everything littlest teeth ever. Oh yeah, he's like 10 weeks old. So yeah, he's so fun. I love it. Now we go back to also, we've got stuff at the church going on. You know, Dave's all involved at the church and we got crazy Tracy coming after him oh. kind of through the whole episode because he's they're doing these volunteering and she's just like th literally throwing, herself, literally throwing like, herself at him. I just need some sex and I just yeah. need and he's like, go to the bar. Right which he ends up doing, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, he's given advice for kind of himself and doesn't realize it. And he keeps driving past this gay bar the whole time and then um, ends up going and finding somebody and, you know, whether it's what he needed or wanted. Yeah. You know, sure. but he's at church and then the man that Ruth was having an affair with Hiram is there as well. Hiram and, and David puts, two and two together and kind of has this nasty reaction to him, which I, I mean, I think that's normal, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe as an adult, it would, it would be different, but I think that it's definitely uncomfortable if you're like, Oh, here's the man I was cheating on your father with, right. um, uh, you know, so he's not exactly warm or, or welcoming to Hiram and they have a little, a little interaction and go their separate ways. Um, but uh, oh my gosh, I forgot what I was going to say about that. But David says something. So they're in they're in the church meeting about hiring a new a new priest or a new you know associate priest or something. 
and they're talking about it. and Dave and there was a comment made in that meeting that that struck me and one of the older people on that board said oh you just have this next generation in here so that they can outvote us old people and and get radical people in here and I thought gosh how often do we hear that in the funeral industry from the older the, the changes older and, you know the changes coming. and yeah and how you know those those older people can be not very welcoming to the younger generations right. um, because they're afraid of the changes that they might might bring when we meet the other man in mom's life um nikolai the florist who is he's trying to eat the microphone who is hot to trot for mom and I kind of love that she's got these men like coming out of the woodwork for her now and wanting to pursue her. And she's like, don't you dare. Like she, she coyly puts him off and acts like she doesn't like it. But then I think she, she likes feeling like a woman again, but yet I think she also is not giving herself permission yet. Right. And so I kind of like that. There's a little, little love triangle that might be starting in this episode. Yeah, I I think it's I think it's kind of nice that they don't just write her off as like a now she's a nun or something because yeah. she's old and her husband died. Like she's, she's still and... yeah, she still has a romantic whole life, and mm-hmm. you know I, I appreciate that about that about that show too that everybody gets to be a full person. Her yes, included. and they well, and they show that you know it's you're never done with the human side of who you are you don't have to be defined by just being a student being a funeral director being a wife of somebody like you are your own whole person and your desires and wishes matter and that's i I love that underlying in it because it really just makes you realize okay you know you do have to kind of go after what you want and advocate for yourself and find your happy place like dad did and find a room that he could go do his thing in and you know he might have been just sitting there doing literally nothing salacious but just having space because in that funeral home, I mean, living and working in the same building, you got to get away somehow. You have to get away and there's always people around and there's always somebody, you know, wanting you to do something for them. And I think as, Mm -hmm. I think as moms, you and I can understand that, right? Like if I'm awake, somebody wants, needs something or wants something from feels like whether it's my daughter or the dog or you know a student or somebody always needs something or you always have to be thinking about anticipating someone else's needs like all right it's sunday i gotta do her laundry because tomorrow's monday and so you have to constantly be considering everybody else um and when work is is downstairs and you don't even get a commute that just really bleeds over into it. And I think that he needed just somewhere to be himself. And I think, you know, we haven't gotten into it much in these episodes, but as the show unfolds, we see more and more, this isn't a spoiler in any way, of the relationship between Ruth and Nathaniel. And I think that that relationship had broken down over time and he felt suffocated by her. You know, she felt some kind of way about him. So when you're living in a home environment where the relationships are are strained and then you've got dead people in the basement you got to take care of and they're crying families and they're like, I can't imagine that. You a know, lot. It's a lot. And it's kind of a big pressure cooker that they're 
in that they don't really get away from ever. Cause I'm guessing they didn't go on many date nights or much of anything because you got work to do and you have to tend to this and you got to be there in case someone dies or, you know, and I think we get in that role as funeral directors sometimes when you're in small towns, especially, or depending on your work schedule, like you become a slave to that schedule sometimes. And it really, you know, overwhelms and burns you out fast and, that's kind yeah. of, I think, what happened with them. I think that, you know, it says something to the fact that what well, uh, what I like about, I like so many things about the show, but like I said before, everybody gets to be a whole person and they really do without being obvious about it, touch on just, just some things that we all encounter. And I like that it was him that had a, his own room, not someone else, yeah. because oftentimes, you know, the, we forget about, we forget about the men, right? We disenfranchise men in grief. We go, oh my God, you shouldn't cry. You're a boy. You're a man. You're this or that. And we forget, yeah. And we forget that they've lost somebody too. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but but just with that that older man in this episode, it reminded me of it for some reason. But have you ever made arrangements with a family where the mom has died and there's a couple of kids and the dad is surviving and the dad starts crying and the kid, it's like they don't even know what to do. They can't even look mm-hmm. at him. Because they've probably so- never seen it. Never. They never witnessed dad breaking down or yeah. anything. But if it were the mom and she started crying, everybody would be like, oh, mom, or, you know, put their arm around her, give her a hug or comfort her in some way. But when it's dad that starts crying, everybody just gets like really uncomfortable. Um, well, and we see, so we see Claire. Yeah. Uh, she gets to meet Billy, which is Brenda's brother and kind of is intrigued by him and they do a little making out and a little hanging out, but his bipolar flares mm-hmm. up and he's like, well, who are you? Why are you calling me? And she's like, uh, we made out yesterday. Did you want to do it again? <laughs> he's like, what do you think? I am a pedophile. You're like 16, go away. And like, oh, honor. And so, you know, 16 year old girl heart, Jim and me, this boy, like is showing interest and mm-hmm. tells you nice things and then crushes you. Like poor, poor Claire. She just needs to get a break somewhere. Poor Claire. She does. But he, I mean, he's, gosh, he's one of my favorite characters in the whole show, honestly. I think he's so well acted as well, but he is very toxic. And it really just shows that, you know, he can manipulate and control people very easily, whether Mm -hmm. he's doing it purposefully or not, is not really clear. But, you know, he he spends all this time with her, does these things with her. And then, yeah, you're right. The next day she calls him and he's like, no, I don't like you. It's like, well, you did yesterday. And then it's just but then Brenda comes along and kind of I think she, again, without saying it, witnesses what's happening there and kind of takes Claire under her wing a little bit and and kind of. They have some really um, nice moments. Yeah. Her and Claire do. Yeah. Um, And then. that relationship there and i think she sees how troubling that can be but she doesn't want to be like yeah my brother he's terrible he's you know you don't want to say that either but you kind of know when they're both there so it's claire there when mr jones comes and says i want to see my wife and she's like i don't deal with the dead people (laughs) and he's like i want to see her and she's like nobody's here that can let you see her and then he kind of comes in and then brenda comes in and she she looks and Claire's on the couch and he's fallen asleep on her shoulder and is holding her hand. And Brenda's like, well, is he dead? And she's like, I don't, 
think so. And he's not, yeah, but he? you know, you kind of are like, oh, did that happen? And it's kind of a sweet, I don't know, Claire, I, I like a lot of Claire moments. I just, you know, Thank we you. talk about this a lot too, because you're like, yeah, I was the same age when I was watching it and really identified. And she has such a full arc of her, you mm -hmm. know, what she goes through in this whole yeah. series. And um, she finally is being seen and she's finally being heard and she's yeah. finally having integral moments where she's contributing and she is a part of things and she's not just this child in right. some ways. And I think Brenda giving her an acknowledgement, like, yep, let's hang out. They have a beer together and just chat. And I think that gives her this like recognition, which mm -hmm. is nice. Yeah. What I don't like is when they're like, well, we're going to go. Somebody will be here later. Like you don't leave somebody alone at the funeral home. No, like Hello, laundries, and listeners, whatever. listeners, we'd never leave a family or a public alone in the building and leave. Not knowingly at least, no. but like, that was like, what are you just going to leave this poor man? He's going to go down there and do God knows what. But yeah, not a good idea. Not, not a good, not a good thing. Um, wouldn't happen. Wouldn't happen in real life. No. I would. No, but, I just go uh, wander through the building. Thanks. I'll see you later. They do that anyway when there's people there. I know, right? <laughs> I love, people are so funny, but they're just curious. So, and then Mr. Jones comes yeah. and sits with his wife two days in a row and the casket has no lid. Did you notice the top half it. of it like is just basket. open yeah, kind of like a coffin would be. So it was yeah. interesting. I was like, where the heck's the lid and what kind of casket is? I've never seen one in our area that would even be like that, which I'm sure. Have you, you seen a Trappist? I think Trappists, the whole lids come off. They're like a priest casket where the whole. Yeah, I've got, I went to their manufacturing, did a video yeah. there, They're, but I, do they? I don't know. I feel like they the do. Ones I've seen, I've seen them open like a regular. But maybe they do have some that just the lid comes maybe. off. I, somebody, if somebody knows something, tell us in the chat. We can't remember. Yeah. But I think that um, I've seen them from Mexico when I've had shippings from Mexico. Yeah, have you seen the, lids. the glass cover. Yep. Asian, cool. some Asian um, ones as well have either just a little hole cut out yeah. or the glass on top or plexiglass or whatever they have. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw different. one for, it was from Mexico that, that came uh, um, as a ship in and it was, it looked like a regular casket, but when you opened it up, it had glass. Yeah. And I was like, do we take this off? What is this? They're like, no, no, no. But do you know why that is? Is that, was that like some kind of. I don't know if it's just a viewing thing or maybe or they're what? concerned with health yeah. or I don't know. Honestly, we'll have to look into that. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, but yes, the whole lid that. was off, which I did notice and, and was like, okay. And he's yeah. just sitting there holding her hand and mom comes in with the flowers. Oh, look at the beautiful flowers for your wife. And he's like, she's still dead. Like, yeah. does that mean I'm supposed to be happy? Like, what are you saying? It was just, I think he says the things that most people think, but they don't verbalize. And he just like. He was a character that to, to kind of give, you know, insight into what people are probably really thinking right and i have to tell you you know i have i have had families like usually it's a daughter-in-law or, or like a not not like an immediate immediate family but yep. there's usually somebody in the family that's that person usually and, and i remember one family specifically one of them one of my favorite families i ever served um and and we're still friends on facebook 15 years later but Aww. their daughter and one of the daughter-in-laws just had no use for me she didn't trust funeral directors didn't trust anything everything was wrong everything was terrible 
And by the end of it, we were like best friends, but she was that person, just that person that would say all the things. And I have to be honest with you, I, as a funeral director, I like those people. I appreciate that because it's real. You yeah. can't, you can't make somebody, you can't answer questions they don't ask. You can't, you know what I mean? If, if somebody's yeah. got a problem with something, then you can do something about it. So mm -hmm. I, I appreciated that about him and, and I thought he was funny and I think he was a, was a really good character to kind of give that insight into how people may be feeling inside that most of them won't, you know, they won't verbalize. Say. They won't well, and then he dies. So he Nate dies. goes into, you know, Mr. Jones, you should probably go home and he's dead. And I'm like, okay, what happens next? Like, what did you do guys? I know. Gonna, at that point, you're calling the medical examiner's office uh, and the EMTs are coming and the police and the medical examiner investigator and they're going to check him out and then did they put her burial on hold and who took care of his if they have no fan like i went i'm i'm asking I all know. questions because i'm like how would they have written that out like what yep. would they've written in as the and would it be a reality of what would actually happen yeah i mean it would be it would really he would have gone to the coroner's office yeah i mean they wouldn't just be like well he's at the funeral home just leave him here just they keep would no, unless they were unless they because like here if they ruled it a natural death and the primary was gonna um do it then they come right to the funeral home so yeah. if that happened and he had pre-existing conditions they came and looked at him they might just leave him there but yeah. who's his family that's gonna choose that funeral home for him kind right. of thing, you know so a lot of questions have you ever had that somebody die at a funeral or not at it not i mean i've had people like have to be medically taken away but they nobody actually like was dead there yeah. during a funeral have you i the day of the i think it was the husband's funeral um the wife was so ill she wasn't coming and they called and said she has died and the family came up to me and there it was right before and they're like what do you want to do and i said well what do you want to do i said we can hold the funeral today i said but instead of going to the cemetery we'll just you know hold dead here and then we can do a service for mom and do bury them both at the same time i said i'll call everybody while the funeral's going on and and get it all lined up and that's what we ended up doing and we yeah. had her funeral like three days later or whatever um I've, I've had, had a few double cases. deaths, but yeah, not right. like somebody come in and die. We have had to call the ambulance for some some yeah. spouses and stuff, but sure. yeah, I've had a handful of doubles. You know where you know it was like an accident situation. Somebody yeah. died, and somebody made like the the other spouse you know died the next day or day later, or you know families. I've had I've had um, homicides where somebody you know killed multiple members of a family yeah. at once so we, we definitely do do have services for more than one person at the same time in the same family yeah. and i've also had people that like so like dad will pass away and like he'll be cremated and they'll hold on to the urn and then when mom dies they'll do a double funeral yep i've had that several times too so it's not uncommon it's definitely something yeah. anybody anybody that's a funeral director will experience but no i have never had anyone be pronounced dead at the funeral home now yeah. some i'm not sure how it ended to be honest with you because it wasn't my family but and i don't remember but yeah we've had people had to be taken away by ambulance but nobody that i remember actually was like pronounced dead at the funeral home when this so this episode was more of like a 
a low key, not a ton happened, a few really key things. Um, the biggest it ends with mom going over to Hiram's house and like say kissing him and basically like, okay, let's do this kind of, she made the decision and that's kind of how the whole thing concludes is with her making out with Hiram on the porch. Sort of We're thing. getting more into the character development of yes. the season. You know, we started heavy, heavy with the funeral stuff at the beginning, I think, to get people's interest. And yeah. now we're seeing, we're not seeing that go, what go away. It never goes away. It's always a show about a family that owns a funeral home, but it's becoming more, um, more characters in the show and, and their plots are, are coming out a little yeah. bit more. Well, and I think you have to do that in drama shows. Mm -hmm. You have to build the plot line, be exciting, build the plot line, oh, develop characters. And so a few of these episodes, they're good, but they're not as like big, huge things. And so you have one or two, and then you get back to some more of the, the drama of the funeral home and Kroner and, and everything, which yeah. Kroner comes back around in a couple, you know, episodes. Yeah. So I think the show does a really good job of balancing it where it's like, you have to have character development. You have to have mm -hmm. character plot and interest in the characters or nobody's going right. to watch it. But also they do still, even through, through all five seasons, they still keep it about funeral service too. So, yeah. but you're right. It kind of like comes up and down and up and down. Yep. And this, this episode was more character driven. Um, but they definitely, um, had some interesting ha things happen, you know, within the funeral home with that, with that man and his wife. And yeah. it's amazing. Isn't it amazing how many things they can pack into just like 45 minutes or 50 minutes? It is when I, when we go back to my notes and I talk to you and I'm like, did that all really happen? Some of yeah. it, I think the church thing was the next episode with the deacon, that whole thing that you were mentioning. I think that was the next one. We yeah. watch, at least I don't know about you, Carrie. I, 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 I binge watch, I watch the ones that we're going to do. Yeah. And so we may so get them. There's crossover. Yeah. We may, we may talk about something that's coming up in the next episode accidentally here and there, but we do. We watch them. At least I do. If I know we're going to talk about these couple of ones that I'll watch them like back to back and sometimes. Yeah, it's easier. And I watch yeah. them right before we're going to record okay. usually. And that way they're fresh and I'm remembering all the little fun details to mm -hmm. talk about. So what did you guys notice in this episode? Episode six, the room of six feet under and rehash it with us here on Exude. So we'll see you guys for the next one. Thank you. See you next time. Bye.